happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment. Your time to shine. Your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career. And you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Everybody, it's me, Rosie O'Donnell, and this is Onward, my podcast, episode four. Today, I'm going to talk to the wonderful Dylan Mulvaney. And you know who Dylan Mulvaney is. I think the whole country knows who Dylan Mulvaney is. When I met her, all I thought was she could be one of my kids. I totally felt maternal to her right away. In walked this young woman to my home in Malibu, so happy and joyous and and vulnerable. And I asked her how old she was, and she said 26. And, you know, I got a 25 and a 27. (laughs) So she fits right in there. And I had read that she did not consider herself or does not consider herself an activist. And I found that so fascinating and kind of comforting to me, because what she's trying to do is live her life truthfully in a time full of social media where that has changed the way the world relates. And I think there's no way to stop it now. Her TikTok that she did about her experience, uh, 365 Days a Girl, got 10 million followers. Let's think about that. She's not political. You know, she's, she's just trying to figure out her life and she's 26 and she should be allowed to do that. I also wanted to read you a quote that I had had read before this interview, and and I took to heart. This is a Dylan Mulvaney quote. She says, I'm really uncomfortable calling myself an activist. I'm only one year into my transition. I'm a musical theater major. I love Broadway. I can talk on my own personal experiences, but I get really nervous sharing about my community at large as far as trans people. So I want to come from a personal place, like all of our journeys. Beautiful sentiment, really uh, well said and well thought out. And, you know, I took that to heart and I got to spend an hour with her and she was just wonderful. She warmed my heart. She really did. And I got to ask her a couple questions about things that, you know, my kids make fun of me about, like, you know, when I will say something wrong, they constantly correct me on all of this stuff, on pronouns and on what you can say and what you can't say. And, you know, it was my 10-year-old daughter 
who said to me, you know, mommy, um, some kids in my class don't know their gender. And I said, well, you know, it's pretty easy to tell, you know, you are a boy or a girl, right? And she said, no, mommy, there's two sexes. There's lots of genders. <laughs> I was like, hold the horses here. This kid's 10 years old and I'm a 61-year-old lesbian activist. And they're able to put words to it in a way that, that I haven't really fully learned yet. And I, I'm so supportive. I'm, I'm a member. These are my family. This is my, these are my people. LGBTQIA. I'm one of them forever and always. And I want to support the young ones coming up. Let me just take a moment to say the younger generation, the Dylan Mulvaney's, you know, all those children, all those 18 year olds who marched in Tennessee to say, you must stop killing us. You must stop killing us in schools. It's the youth of today. That's the kids of today who are going to change and save this country. And, you know, and about the rest of what's happening in the world, what can I say? It's been a lot of stuff going on. And I don't really know exactly how I feel about all of it. Um, But the Tennessee situation, overt, systemic racism. You know, there's no two ways around that. Right there. This is what happened. This is like we're reading the fascist handbook, people. So we got to stay alert. We got to stay alert. Regarding Dylan, you know, Kid Rock shot up some Bud Light because Bud Light sent her a congratulatory six-pack with her face on it. And and Kid Rock had to take an assault weapon and shoot the boxes of beer. Like, proving what? I mean— Beer companies have been supportive of the LGBTQIA community for decades. This is not the first time. You know, who do you think sponsors Pride? Come on, gay people, trans people, we drink beer too, man. Put down your gun, Kid Rock. It's in bad taste, especially after what happened at the school in Nashville. Okay, well, Dylan's here. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you leave a comment for me on my TikTok or my Insta. Or you can uh, send me a voice memo that we might use here on the show. And all you have to do is go to onwardrosie at gmail.com. What is that? Onwardrosie at gmail.com. Leave a little voice memo, a question, a comment, things you like, things you don't. It's all good, people. It's all good. Dylan Mulvaney. And we kind of jump right into this because I was talking to her at the beginning, trying to say you're safe here and and I I care about you and I'm on your side and everything's good. And, you know, I don't do gotcha interviews. We were talking on the couch and my producer, Lori, is there and she's going, get by the mics, get by the mics. So we stood up and still talked as we were walking to the mics. So when it starts and it's gonna, you're going to, um, well, you'll be in the middle of an interview without an intro. I hope that's okay. All right, people. Peace out. Listen to Dylan. I don't want to say the wrong thing. And I'm not, that's the funniest part is like, I am not that person that you would ever have to worry about like hurting because I grew up with a family that is so deeply conservative and Catholic that like, 
me and you are as close as like it's 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 a breath of fresh air sitting next to another queer person because I didn't grow up with queer people. Right. And so Well now where were you raised? What I was, state? I was grow, uh raised in San Diego, which in theoretically sounds very um, you know, open minded, but totally left wing um, liberal, right? No. No, no I, I didn't was, know that. Um, the farther away from the ocean you get there, um, the sort of more conservative it becomes. And I was in a tiny little town called Alpine. And it was uh, truly a, a very um, tight-knit community of, like, just conservatives. And now, did you go to Catholic school? I went to Catholic school wow. um, for, yeah, 12 years. I I did go—I I went to dance class, though, at, at this little studio, and I was the only boy in the dance studio. How old were you? Um, I started when I was three. Wow. I had came out to my mom when I was four as a girl— now, I want to I want to talk about that. Yes. Because I've read that and I read that your mother said, "Well, listen, God doesn't make mistakes." Right. And I And what did that say to your baby brain? Well, I think I I trust, you know, the adults in my life growing up. Anything that they said, I took as the word because I I wanted I've always been a people pleaser. I've always wanted to make others happy. I've always wanted to entertain people. I think we can relate. And when it came to the the God aspect of it, I did. I grew up believing that like it was his way or, you know, or this this uh, spirit's way or the highway. But it was a, a strictly Catholic Yes, I, I don't think when my mom said that though, that it meant that like me feeling that way was a bad thing. I think it was just like a reassurance of like, no, you're, you're who you're supposed to be because it was the year 2000 and again, lived in a very small town. They did bring me to a few therapy sessions. But even, you know, during that time, kids really did not have access to any of those things. It was such a rarity to explore gender for a child. And now it feels very, you know, blown up and common. But but wait, I have a question. So they brought you to therapy, your parents did, because you said you thought you were a girl. Yes. Yeah. And um, did the therapist try to convince you out of that notion? You know, I I can't remember. Mm. And I think that there was also so much going on. My parents were going through divorce at the time. When you were four. Yes, right around that time. And so I think that honestly, all of those thoughts sort of got locked away. And what ended up happening was that my queerness coming out as a gay boy, Mm -hmm. you know, in my early teens ended up being such a issue in itself that there was no room for transness on the table because I already thought that being gay was the worst thing that could happen. No kidding. And so if I was to add that extra layer of like, oh no, I'm I'm a woman, that I probably wouldn't be here right now because I I truly thought being gay was so evil. I was told um, in Catholic school, I remember my freshman year, I was like the best Catholic kid. I mean, I would read at mass. I was, you know, getting A's on all my uh, Bible homework. Were you an altar boy then? I, I, you know, I never did the altar boy thing. I did the choir mm-hmm. and um, shepherd me, oh God. Uh, <laughs> and I went. You know in, what's sad, Dylan? What I can recite the entire Catholic Mass. No, through him and him with, with him, him in unity, unity of, of the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. All glory Wait. and honor is yours, Almighty Mighty Father, Father, now and forever. Yeah, Amen. Exactly. I can do. Um, I'm not du Père et du Fils et du Saint Esprit. Amen. Je vous salue. Because I went to Catholic school, they teach you, uh, you know, all the prayers in French. Right. Um, but I went into this, uh, uh, oh, what's it called? When, penance, reconciliation, when you yes. go repent your sins. And one of my sins had something to do with being gay. Who knows what? 
And the the priest looks at me and goes, I'm so sorry, but I can't repent your sins, but I wish you well. And I, in that moment, I snapped because I was like, I have done everything right. I have been, you know, I've followed every other word. This is like one part of my life. And I, I said, screw it. And I, I really pushed back in a way that I was like, if, if these people are telling me that God doesn't love me because of this one thing when I'm doing everything else right, mm-hmm. then maybe this isn't the support that I should be looking for. And I ended up leaving Catholic school. I went to an art school. I went through a very dark period of time in my life because I lost my faith, but I also, um, you know, was trying to come out to a family that didn't fully understand what I was going through. Now, tell me the siblings in the family. Your okay, parents uh, are divorced My at parents four, are divorced. When you're four. Um, and then I have two older uh, half-siblings through my mother. My dad, That you were raised with? Um Yes. Uh, I mean, they were, the already, they were much older. So I okay. was kind of just looking to them as, you know, like uh, the cool kids that I okay. wanted to hang out with. And then my dad um, had been previously married and wasn't able to have children. And so I was sort of this surprise. They, you know, he didn't ever expect to be able to have kids. And what's been really cool about him is that like, he, he's like a football loving, you know, like just all like American man's guy. Man. Yeah, I and, saw him on your Rainbow Room special. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, you it know, was it, very sweet. Was that unexpected? It was when he walked unexpected. On stage? I was like breaking down, crying. He stood up, and at first, I remember me thinking, like, "Oh God, is he making this about him right now? Like, what is you know, why are you taking the spotlight? Get out of my light, Dad." Yeah, he needed. He was the one that needed to hug me because I was with um my friend Alok. Do you know Alok um, on Instagram? An amazing non-binary human being that no, shares but I so would love to. We gotta follow them. Um, Alok was sitting next to my dad and said that my dad was like shaking throughout the show and I'm like sure. had to console my dad. And so that moment was so sweet. And I think that it meant a lot to queer kids that don't have a parent that would hug them in a moment like that. Sure. And I actually think you know because I'm so under fire right now from certain news sources that that's like their worst nightmare is seeing a parent comforting their trans child. And, you know, even I'm an adult, but I think at the end of the day, that's still my dad. And for them to, you know, to a show of like, this is a parent-child connection and that comes first before anything. And I'm sure that now you've told me that you have children. I do, and, and your age, yes, actually. And you're, you're right in between my first and second. Oh my gosh. So I have a son who's 27. I want to meet them one day. I would love for you to meet them. I have a daughter who's 25, a son who's 23, a daughter who's 20, and a 10-year-old. Oh, my God. Okay, you hit that. Well, now I'm your 26-year-old. There you go. Um, I So your dad was supportive always? Your dad? um, Relatively, I think there was— When you came out as gay at 12, um, 13? uh, I came out at 14 because my mom read my text messages. I was with an Eagle Scout. We had been kissing, and, like, he was, like, sweet as can be, but my mom, that was, like, a shock, and— Funny enough, I was like, I was the gayest kid ever. And I saw actually, you on Price is Right. You were. I, right? Yes, you and, were the gayest kid on Price is Right for sure. And, and But it's so funny because there was a boy in my school who came out to his parents and said, I'm gay, but I'm not Dylan Mulvaney gay. Mm. And I thought that was the most offensive thing I'd ever heard because I was like, I'm not that gay. Like, what are you talking about? Right, right. And now I was like, oh, babe, like— that femininity that was there that I was like forcing down so desperately yes. was actually just my transness that didn't have like a way to get out and it didn't right. have a way. And it was so funny too. I went to college for musical theater 
And, Where did you go? Um, the Cincinnati Conservatory of oh, Music. Oh, wonderful school for that. And we lo- we got to get to Broadway. Um, I There, I really tried to shed so much of that feminine energy because I would, you know, they train you to be these like ensemble strapping, you know, jocks that can yes, lift girls. Exactly. And, and I tried to be that and I failed every time. And now it all makes so much more sense because I I was basically conforming to this industry that I didn't see trans people on Broadway. I didn't, you know, I was so scared that to get, because those thoughts were always there in my mind mm-hmm. ever since I was young. And, and I stayed with you. Yes, but I, I truly, I've always been such a glass half full type person that I I knew that, you know, if, since transness wasn't an option for me then because it was so terrifying that like I was still happy. And I think there's this notion of like every day that a trans person, you know, doesn't come out that it's like, truly um torture horrible right but i was able to suppress it in a way that like i still was able to experience joy i booked you know the book of mormon and i went out on tour and that was a dream come true because all i wanted to do was sing and dance and make people happy but i wasn't fully me and so i look back at that time and i don't resent it because i was just doing my best and like i was um i know that that was specifically like the journey that I've been on, but I also now cannot even imagine going back to that gender because I I will say that like, even with all the the hate and the, you know, controversy or whatever it is with me that just because I'm trans, it's still worth it because I wake up every day a little bit happier than I was before. Mm. So your whole life, starting at four, which is really the earliest memories, right? Mm -hmm. You knew that you were in the wrong body. Yes and no. I think yes in the way that those thoughts were always there. I think body-wise, I am still making some of those decisions. I I got my facial feminization surgery, um, and I'm having to be very particular on how I share my physical transformation because I never want anyone to feel like this is the one way to be trans or like these are the steps you have to do to be considered a trans woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I also know I have a lot of kids following me. And I I really want to make sure that those decisions that they're making are not influenced by me. And I, I even that word influencer terrifies me because I, I'm like the fact that, you know, somebody would buy a, pro, you know, a skincare product, let alone want to, you know, explore their gender. Yes. Right. In a way. And and I I find it interesting because there's a lot of people that are like, oh, it'd be my worst nightmare if my kid came to me and said that I want to be like Dylan Mulvaney. And it was so insulting. Who said that to you? Oh, gosh. Strangers on the internet? They don't count. The internet. Okay, Um, the strangers don't count. Well, if somebody was to say, I want to be like Dylan Mulvaney, if a child was to say that, it might not be because they're trans, but maybe they want to wear pink or maybe they want to make jokes or maybe they um, want to try new things because that's what I've been doing this past year. And a question that I had for you, so we're now Instagram friends and yes. you're ruling TikTok. Oh, thank Have you. Have <laughs> you now seen some of this like gender stuff come up on your timeline and your For oh, You page? Well, for for sure. I have friends whose children have transitioned, um, three friends, and it, it's female to male. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've been very involved in the process and helping the moms that mm-hmm. I know going through it. And um, uh 
you know, it's always been an interest of mine. I, I can't say that I fully understand it, Dylan. Yeah. And and I don't well, want this to be offensive. No. I, I hope you're not taking well, it as offensive. No, because I love you. I never once thought as a tomboy gay woman mm-hmm. that I wanted to be a boy. And how did you know when you were kissing boys that that wasn't the end all for you? Like, how did you know? Do you know what I'm saying? Well, like, I want to first actually congratulate you on that statement of the fact that you're you're leaning into your masculinity without taking on like trans manhood. Like that's not what you are. And that's, correct, I think, that's not what I yes, am. And, yeah. I, and it's interesting too because I think on the flip side of it, there's many um, men who would like to be more feminine. Or, or I remember being a gay boy. You know, they call them twinks. Right. I know that. And, <laughs> Uh, Mommy's old, honey. (laughs) And there are plenty of gay men that are just feminine and aren't looking to transition to be women. And we need to celebrate those humans as well. Yes. But there was always this little buzz in my mind. And I remember even hooking up with gay men, like as as one, thinking like, oh, this this isn't fully right. And Mm. it's, you know, in the contrast, I actually think it's now— having taken all these steps and realizing, oh my God, this is right for me. And I actually haven't um, started dating yet. That's not something that's that's come up just because I've been doing so much work on my own transition that I think it's scary to then have someone come in and when you're in the middle of like transitioning and, you know, my my autonomy might change, my anatomy. And I think that I do fear where my romance will come from. Is it going to be, I I get really scared that if it's with a gay man, it's because they still see me as a man. Or if it's with a straight man, is it they, are they fetishizing me? Mm. Um, But at the end of the day, I know that I'm worthy of love and I'm worthy of, of, um, of something more than just, you know, some sexual experience because I, I will be a great girlfriend one day. I, I, I do want kids and that's a very controversial statement to make as a trans person because we are so under fire right now as these like groomer predator types and it breaks my heart because to think that's that would limit my abilities to have children makes me really sad. Yeah, I can understand that. I really can. We'll be right back with more Dylan Mulvaney. from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. 
for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Did you get any hostility towards you when you were adopting those kids as a queer person? No, because I wasn't really out when I was adopting mm. them. When when my show started, it was 1996. Mm-hmm. And That's I had, when I was born. And you were born. And I had one child. And, um, you know, p- gayness wasn't spoken about. Gayness wasn't something that people— Did people assume? I thought they assumed. But then when I actually said after 9-11, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a gay woman, and it seems like this is the time to— mm-hmm. uh, to say it, especially because I was also a foster parent and I tried to adopt the foster child I had raised. And the state of Florida banned gay people from adopting the foster children that they raised because they found that the state of Florida, in a poll, preferred that babies stayed in an orphanage or a group home. Over to, gay people? To with a gay parent, Yes. So when that happened to me, I was like, well, it's time. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like God was going, you're up, kid. And so then I told everyone, and that was 2002. So I was off the air a few months after I officially came out. But I was very surprised that people were surprised. And the most big comment that I got was, well, you said you love Tom Cruise. And I'm like, right, but I never said I wanted to get naked with him in bed and do right. the nasty. I, in fact, I made it a point to say I wanted him to mow my lawn in a white T-shirt and get me lemonade. Like, he, to me, is the perfect image of a man. Mm-hmm. And Nora Ephron used to say, of course you love him. He's almost as beautiful as a woman. <laughs> right. <laughs> she would say right. that to me. But, you know, I don't know. I I never wanted to do him, so to speak. I never wanted to hook up. But I love, you know, I aesthetically, as a woman, as a gay woman, Mm -hmm. can see a gorgeous man and appreciate how gorgeous they are, like the Statue of David. But I don't want the meat and potatoes happening anywhere near me. Thank you very much. Now, do you feel like when that was like under five, was was it controversy that you were gay? Uh, Not really. I I think, uh, you know, I came out and then my show was over. Then I got sued by a magazine. Then I, you know, I mean, it was a tough time for Mm -hmm. me, but, but no, I I don't think so. It was relatively accepting. It was relatively, but remember, this is 1996, you know, that my show started. Mm -hmm. And they told me that there was a new show coming out where a gay guy was going to live with a straight girl and have a gay best friend. Will and and Grace. Will and Grace. And I thought that'll never go on the air. 
because no my show, shows ever. mine too. I was on it even, but um, well, I can't wait to have that moment for like trans people. You know, we've gotten Pose now. There's been, you know, we've Laverne Cox who's doing all these great projects. Um, but I want to see trans rom coms. I want to see you know, sort of those early 2000s never been kissed types with right. trans people because the problem is we're so easily sexualized. We're often just in NCIS. We're like the dead prostitutes. Yes. And why why can't we show a trans woman in like a happy relationship with a straight man? And and that's how I think people learn. As much as they can go on TikTok and watch a video, I really think through scripted and through comedy actually is such a healing art form of like learning and it not being as intimidating because there's like a level of like, you know, mystique still involved. Right, right. Um, but it, that would have changed my life, I think, growing up and seeing someone on television that was trans other than just a prostitute because we still, there, you know, the majority of trans women in America right now still have to resort to sex work. Right, and, isn't that you know, so sad? It's terrifying, and it's also um, very dangerous, especially in this climate that we're in right now with all this anti-trans legislation. Now, let's talk about that for a second, okay? First of all, there was big controversy when Drew Barrymore, the adorable Gertie from E.T., yeah. got down on her knees like she does often. She's with a wild flower child, hippie girl. And she gets down on the floor when she gets emotional and hugs people's legs mm -hmm. and sits on their laps. And she did that with you. She felt very connected to you. You could tell there was a vulnerable moment. You had good, you know, chemistry. And she did what she always did. And it becomes a big thing. A meme. And I will tell you, I have tried to be the most uncontroversial person this past year. And somehow it has made me controversial still. And I think it comes back to the fact that these people, they don't understand me. And anything that I do or say then somehow gets taken out of context and is used against me. And it's so sad because everything I try to put out is positive. It's um, trying to connect with others that maybe don't understand me. It's to make people laugh or to make a kid feel seen. And I think with Drew, we we still haven't seen a ton of trans people on do the talk show circuit, right? And and she and I, I think, have such a, a similar sort of um, innocence towards life and just um, just seeing the best in others and, and gushing over each other. And I left that interview thinking, oh my God, that was the best. That was the mm. best day. And then they took it and they turned it into something ugly. And what did they turn it into? That she shouldn't kneel to you because kneeling is subservient? What was the predecessor well, no, it's, of it's, the attack? Like, what was the instigator? What was their point of view? Bullying in the fact that they want anyone who associates themselves with trans people to be under fire. They want to essentially shame people into thinking that if you associate with someone like me, that you are to be laughed at or that you are now the crazy one. And oh, because you're giving into someone's identity or you're simply just like acknowledging their, their existence. Humanity. Yeah. What and, about that? She acknowledged and this is what this humanity. is what changed it for me though, was that if someone like, shouldn't I be listening to the Drew Barrymore's or the Rosie's and not, the other side of things, because these are the people that I emulate. These are the people that I look up to. My role models are now inviting me into their spaces to join and hold hands and, and to talk and to get to know each other and call each other friends. And I think 
that's what I'm trying to focus on. Funny enough, um, Chelsea Handler, who I grew up loving her comedy, she gets a lot of the same hate that I do from some of the same people. And I was like, wait, this is one of my favorite people. And they're under attack from the same, you know, humans that are going after me. I think I like this side better that yeah, I'm on. Of course. And, and yet, because of the people pleaser in me, I'm going, oh, how, but how can I show them that, you know, I'm not this monster? How can I, you know, appease them? They're, I don't know the answer to that. Right now, it's gotten so bad to the point for the community and with all these bills that I'm like, we just have to stay alive. And we, this is the time, I think, for not only just everyday straight people, but we need that, the letter alphabet to show yes, up for us because totally. I think it's all hands on deck. It is not a time to, you know, sit idle. I started my transition just a year ago, publicly. I had been taking hormones before that. I'd come out to my family and friends, but I have watched it get so much worse as my timeline has gone on. And it's been very kind of odd to compare the two uh, my transition as well as all this anti-trans legislation simultaneously. And the reason that I think I am so, um, I'm an easy target is because I'm still new to this. I think going after a trans woman that's been doing this for like 20 years is a lot more difficult. Yeah, good luck. Like, yeah, and so I think maybe <laughs> they think there's some sort of chance with me that they can, but what is their goal? First of all, you're you're very young, honey. Yeah. And I, I don't mean that in any way insulting. I just literally am your mom. We met seeing Sunday in the yes, park with George. We love theater. Because we are both Broadway people. Yeah, we are. And um, thank you for for the exposure you gave the community back oh, on your show. Please, are you kidding me? What was your first Broadway show that you were in? Was it? Um, it was Mor Book of, Book of was Mormon. I was touring with that show. Um, and then now I have yet to take on a, a character as a woman. Have you, did you do it on Broadway as well? Or were you only no, on tour? No, I was tour? just touring. So you haven't been on Broadway I haven't Broadway made yet. My, my debut debut yet. Oh, interesting. And Now, do you go around again to all the same casting agents? Do you go to Bernie Telsey? Do you go to I just had a meeting with him today. Oh, he's um, fantastic. He's the best. I I think what's so exciting was that I was just at the beginning. You know, I, I had graduated when I was 22. That was my first audition was Mormon. And so I didn't met most of the people in the industry yet. So there, most of these people are now meeting me as a woman. And so mm. it's nice that they don't have to sort of correct themselves because they aren't like, I, I even think it, it's very stressful um, to imagine if somebody was already in the spotlight and famous and then having to transition. You oh, know, yeah. I look at Elliot Page. Elliot Page. And it's, that's intense because I you agree. are now trying to correct, you know, all of your fans, you know, interpretations of you and the way that people view you, whereas Truly, because this all started through my transition, people do see me as as a woman, except sometimes like I'll be on the street and they'll be like, oh my God, it's it's the boy from TikTok. And I'm like, no, it's the girl from right, TikTok. Right. It's like all like, that's my whole platform. Right. But I wanted to ask you something. You know, you commented on my videos. You're like, you're a woman, not a girl. Right. And Only when you graduated after, after, after your rainbow. Yes. Now, do you ever call yourself a girl anymore? Or do you always refer to yourself as a woman? I think a woman. Yeah. Just, you know, also I, I had kind of a hectic childhood, to put mm -hmm. it mildly. But, um, you know, uh, I think that, being a child for me was m so much more difficult than anything I ever had to handle as a woman. Right. So, you know, uh, I'm proud to be a woman. My mom Feels died. Feels good to graduate. Well, my mom died when she was 39. So I wanted to retire at 40 and I did. 
And I was like, wow, and raise those kids. And, you know, here I am with another little one. But, yeah. you know, I'm kind of one of those people who um, loves being a mother so much that it kind of trumps everything. Yeah. You know, everything for me to get to stay home. You know, people are like, well, let's go out on Saturday. I'm like, well, I have my kid. You know, yeah, they're like, like they're, well, get a babysitter. Yeah, like, but no. We can't bring, she has autism. And she's very sensitive to the noise yes. in places. So we don't go to many restaurants. She has a very limited diet. You are so a mom first. I'm a mom first. And uh, and I always have been. So trying to do it differently wouldn't have worked for me. You know, right. Howard Stern always says to me, you walked away of hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm like, honey, once you have a certain amount and you think you still need more, you should That's go to the shrink. Yeah. Right? You shouldn't go to work. You should go to a shrink. Well, and I think there's such a scarcity complex in this, you know, industry of like more is more. And I now, I think about, you know, this social media, there's there's all these brand deals and, you know, getting these offers. But at the end of the day, like I want to go sing and dance. And mm-hmm. I know that that won't, you know, compete with some of, you know, these, these checks that come in through social media. And yet that's what I really want to do. Well, there's there's limited artistry on TikTok. Oh, yeah. And there's tremendous artistry in the world outside of TikTok, the entertainment world. And I I can imagine you on Broadway. I can imagine you, you know, doing something new and wonderful and 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 quirky and funny, you know, that— uh, Well, I have to remind myself that I think, you know, all of these people that we love, especially from the Broadway community, if my age might have been doing TikTok, you know, they might have been singing on there. And now you're on there. Yeah, and- not singing, thankfully. What got you on there originally? My daughter, who um, she's now 20. She's at college. She's on the dean's list. I'm very proud of her. She said to me, mom, you got to go on TikTok. I'm like, I don't want to dance with you. It's so silly. I'm not dancing in your sweat. So she got me to do this one dance in my sweats. Yeah. And some very famous TikToker, who's I don't remember his name right now. He did an impression of me. And then Vivian and I- Tagged it, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And we started. The, and then she goes, you see, now everyone's come. Just have to do something. Just talk. A little mom. something. So it took me a while to learn how to do it. Yeah. You know, it took me a while. And just like with this podcast that we're doing now, you know, I kind of thought to myself, like, you're at the beginning of your career, right? Imagine being 61, having five children, having mm-hmm. done all these things that I got to do. And then going, how do I want to finish my life and career? There's something about performing live to some an audience that's going to feed you back right away, and there's nothing in Instant show gratification, nothing as good as Broadway well, and yeah. stand up. And I moved out here, and uh, during why the did pandemic, you move out here? Well, I we were doing Book of Mormon at the Amundsen downtown LA, and I fell in love with it while I was was here. And I when I lived in New York briefly, I was living with like three roommates in a one bedroom in Times Square, and they were stealing all my packages. And so I was like, ooh, I, I'm from San Diego. LA sounds really good. So I was at home for the pandemic in San Diego, obviously going through all this gender stuff. And I was like, I need to get somewhere else. So I moved to LA, started doing stand-up because it gave me that same feeling mm. that theater gave me. And I don't want to be a stand-up comedian, but I think everybody should try it at least once because it's the most terrifying thing to me. And now I feel like I could do anything. Right. Because I did that skill. Yeah, that's very, very uh, nerve-wracking when you start. Yeah. I remember I was only 16 when I started doing it. In the nightclub that a, a student, I was a guy I was a student with, his 10-year-older brother opened a nightclub. 
and said, why don't you come down? Because I did like a play at the school with his <laughs> brother. And I started at 16 years old. I mean, imagine that, the chutzpah of a 16-year-old kid going up there to people who paid yes. all that money. And and what I find fun about it now is that, like, I think my persona online is very innocent. It's very, um, I try to be very appropriate. And, but with stand-up, and now I'm writing a book, I I get to kind of be a little edgier. I get a curse. I get to you know, talk about things that I try to censor for the kids watching me. Um, because truly, like, anything right now trans-related will get taken and used against you. Um, and I almost feel like I lean on more of, like, the infantilization just because they're so quick to sexualize trans people. Yes. That I feel like that is why um, it's, it's, a, it's a tough line to walk. Yeah. I, I can imagine it really is. I know that my moms who've had trans kids, you know, they go through their own journey. And, you know, sometimes even with gay kids, people write me and say, young kids will write me and say, you know, um, I, I want to come out to my mother, but she just doesn't seem. And I'm like, how long did it take you to come out to yourself? You know, it takes you a little bit of time yeah. to find a, be able to say it. And I said it in a car when the doors were locked and mm -hmm. I was driving with my permit, I am gay. Like, I couldn't believe I was yes. I was getting it out. I was saying it, you know? There was not a place in the world that it was safe or felt safe to say that back in, in 1978. And I think because of social media being so fast and furious right now that people feel this, like, pressure to, like, make a decision and, like, announce it, like, right away. And I think that's what's funny with, like, my whole day one of girlhood video was, like, I had come out far before that. I had actually, my pronouns were they, them a year before um, coming out as uh, that was, I, I quickly realized that I was not just non-binary. I was a woman mm -hmm. and that's when I took hormones, but I, I don't want anyone to like look at my content and be like, this was some decision that she made like overnight and woke up and said, it sounds fun to be a girl today. Let's make a video because this has been an ongoing battle throughout my life mm -hmm. and something that I took very seriously. Yeah, it is not casual. No. Oh my gosh, it's probably the the least casual thing. And right now, especially with uh so there's so much on the line when it comes to my future in this country and a lot of other humans' futures that we can't be casual about it anymore. No, without a doubt. And, and people, everyone has to stick together. Yeah. Allies, straight well, and gay. Or people, Stand up for our trans brothers and sisters you. because you're being killed and now you're being legally discriminated against. And it's like a, a calling card to psychos for violence, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm not worried about the people, you know, that are talking about me on their podcast. I'm worried about their listeners. And I also, I think that we're just... Whew, it's it's a heavy time and it's it's just it's the time to step up for sure. Yeah. And I'm proud of you. Thank you. I think that you've done really well for being so young and to sort of shoot yourself out of the cannon like you did. You know, and I don't know that you expected no 10 million way. 10 million followers on TikTok. I mean, that's kind of a Kardashian level fame, right? It's crazy that but well, it feels like ants on a screen. Like it literally like it's <sighs> It doesn't compute. And then it's when I'm walking through Times Square to go see a Broadway show. And it's like, oh, uh, but I do. I love getting to see these people, especially so much of my audience is queer. Or, you know, they're, um, you know, teenage girls and their moms that follow me together. But it is, uh, 
I just wonder what like the trajectory of all of this is with social media. And like, what do you think? Do you like, do you think TikTok is going to be around for? No, I I think the government's probably going to take it down because it's really a free way of everyone talking and communicating and setting up protests. And it's, you know, we're, we're in a really dangerous, treacherous time in this country for, you know, democracy to survive. We're going to have to make some pretty quick changes. Mm -hmm. And I think we're moving towards that. I have to believe we're moving towards that or there's no, you know, hope left. But all we have is hope that the goodness of the American people will rise above the insanity and all of the hatred perpetrated by the orange snot bag that has fetid and and, and uh, grown into some horrible hate-filled stew that they're being fed every day by propaganda on Fox News, by uh, news, news people like Tucker Carlson, who says that he, you know, he lies and pays, gets paid to lie and feels fine about it. I don't know how these people live with themselves. So we're, we're in a dangerous time and, and it's for all of the minorities in this country because we're, we're all as one. Well, I will say just the fact like being here with you today and you being like, still willing to learn and to sit down with a 26-year-old trans girl to be like, okay, what's going? I think that is what has to happen for everyone in our community, especially because we can't, we have to learn about the other letters. We have to be friends. We have to protect each other. And I hope that I never stop learning. Yeah. And I, I think this is, this podcast for you is that you like are still like evolving and growing and, and thank you for that. Well, I hope, you know, I hope that's what we all get to do as artists, you know, in society and and that you find a way to fit your career and your life together in, in a puzzle that will, um, you know, nurture and sustain you through the difficult trials and tribulations that we go through as humans, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're uh, lovely. Thank you. you I uh, will definitely stand up for trans people Anytime, and I always have, and I always will. Thank you. And uh, don't worry about the negativity that you're getting. Just keep onward, honey. Move onward, forward. Deal. Deal? Deal. All right. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. 
It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome back. And we have some questions from you, the listener. So let's take a listen and uh, I'll answer them. Hit it. Hi, Rosie. Trent here in Atlanta. Thank you for coming to us on this platform and shining your light once again with such great guests. I have the sweetest memories watching your daytime show as a kid raised in South Texas, thinking that I could shine one day too. But my question is about your awesome acting projects. A League of Their Own is my all-time favorite movie. If you could share the screen with anyone from that great cast, Tom Hanks, your buddy Madonna, Gina Davis, who would it be, and what would that screenplay look like? Thanks, Ro. Oh my God, can I call you that? <laughs> you totally can, honey. You totally can. Uh, what a lovely message. Thank you so much for that. Really touches me. And I'm sure you have uh, been able to shine throughout your life. You you have a sunny voice, and you make me smile when I hear you. Um League of Their Own was the most fun that anyone could have making a movie, really. And I think if I had to pick someone, I would probably pick um, Tom Hanks. I think he's one of the best actors living, and I would do anything to work with him again. I was lucky I got to work with him in League of Their Own and in Sleepless in Seattle. So, you know, to have two experiences with this, you know, amazing, amazing, multi-generational guy, this, you know, Tom Hanks. He's cream of the crop, people. He's uh, cream on top. Thank you for the question. Hi, Rosie. My name is Megan, and I just want to say I'm so glad to be able to hear you interview people again. Uh, I pretty much grew up watching your show from uh, about seven years old to 13, and you've always been a strong role model in my life as somebody who is plus size and did not get to see the representation growing up, and also being LGBTQ, just a little bit different from mainstream media, especially in the 90s. It was so nice to, to have that to look up to and to look up to. Uh, so thank you. Um, you're a very important person in my life, and I love you even though you don't know who I am. <laughs> anyway, uh, I was wondering if you had any life advice for somebody in their early 30s who doesn't really know where they're going in life, feeling a bit stagnant, um, and who has too many creative passions and no idea how to narrow them down. Thank you. Bye. Megan, what a beautiful beautiful little message. Thank you so much. I love the message feature. I get to hear from you guys. It's it's really nice. Um, well, thank you for your kind words, really. And um, advice, you know, I will tell you this. It goes way too fast. I'm 61. I'm sitting here going, how did I get to be 61? 
I was listening to Carol Burnett speak recently on her 90th birthday celebration, and she said she still feels like she's in her 40s or something, you know? And uh, I got to tell you, honey, it goes quick. So follow your dreams and narrow them down and pick one thing and focus because, you know, you can't do everything all at once. You got to take one thing at a time. So if you're lucky enough to do what you love and somehow get paid for it, you've won the life lottery. You know, no matter what that is, I have friends who are painters and although they've never really sold a lot, they paint every day and they take lessons and they learn and they study and it's a fulfilling, fulfilling life for them. And, you know, some of them have other jobs too. And in order to uh, get to a point where you can quit and do your full-time passion, you know, that's very likely in today's world. But follow your heart. Never, never lets you down. It never lets you down. And know that uh, you can't take it with you. So live up, you know, live it up while you can. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week where our guests will be Brooke Shields. We talk a lot about the documentary. It really moved me. It's on Hulu. It's a pretty baby, Brooke Shields. Next week here on Onward with Rosie O'Donnell. from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.